0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey friends, my name is Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Hey guys, it's Gabi and welcome to What's Gabi Cooking in Quarantine. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Gabi. I'm the founder of What's Gabi Cooking, a food website. I'm a best-selling author. And now I'm a podcast host. What's Gabi Cooking in Quarantine is your one-stop shop for all your food and cooking related questions. We'll be talking tips and tricks, how to store food, how to put together meals based on what's in your pantry, and so much more. Plus, every episode, I'm going to be highlighting a super cool company that's doing awesome things in terms of home delivery, since we're all limiting the amount of time we spend at the grocery store. So without further ado, this is What's got Be Cooking in Quarantine. All right, guys. Happy Monday. It might be a holiday, but I'm not going to leave you hanging. We have so many que- I mean, honestly, my inbox is exploding. It's incredible how many people are cooking right now. So there are questions to be answered. And that's what we're going to do today. Let's get it going. Hey, Gabby, This is Carolyn in Connecticut. I heard on a previous podcast that you don't like using pre-minced or the pre-peeled garlic for recipes. I was wondering if there are any shortcuts or pre-made slash frozen ingredients that you actually prefer to use versus using fresh. Is fresh always better? Loving the podcast. Take care. Hi, Carolyn. Thank you for that and bringing that up. It's a great question. Okay, there are a couple things that I will only buy frozen because Lord knows I'm not taking the time to make it. One, puff pastry. No, thank you. Two, not frozen, but I like to buy cubed pancetta. Normally they have it at Trader Joe's, Whole Foods, things like that. It just is easier to just like take it already pre diced, throw it in the pan, saute it down. Another thing I buy frozen tater tots. I, you could not pay me to make my own. I know a lot of people love making stock with their leftover like vegetable scraps and stuff like that. I take a shortcut from the store more times than not and use just like a regular stock in the box. Another thing I love is frozen spinach and frozen peas. I think frozen peas are really easy to just add like a bright green pop into any dish without having to boil water and blanch them. And frozen spinach, like there's so much spinach in a bag of frozen spinach. It would take me way too much time and too many pots to cook all that down and then bring it dry. So I do like those things in terms of shortcuts from the store, but like for chopped garlic and chopped onion stuff like that. I don't love doing that. I think it, the onion stuff loses its flavor and we've been into the garlic thing before. So Fresh isn't always better, but like if you have the accessibility to it, I vote for fresh with the exception of the things I just shared. Hey, Gabby, this is Suzanne from Boston. First of all, thank you for everything. I love all of your shows and Instagram, but I belong to a meat and fish CSA out here and I just got hake and monkfish and I have no idea what to do with them. And even the internet isn't that helpful. So I'm wondering if you have tips. All right. Thanks for everything. Bye. Hi, Suzanne. Okay. So when we were randomly in South America, I feel like hake was on the menu at every restaurant we went to. And it is delicious. So you are in luck. Um, it is very similar to that of a cod. So if you go to what's got be cooking and Google cod or look through my books, you'll find a couple recipes. You could do the miso cod on my site. It's really good if you just like pan fry it on both sides and use it with some like sauteed tomatoes and onions, something like that would be really good. Hake is generally firm and meaty when it's cooked, but it's mild, like it's a mild flaky fish. So it would work for pretty much just about everything. You could also like, there's a panko-crusted cod on my site. Okay, let's get into monkfish. So monkfish, for those of you who have never had it before, it's kind of a little bit lobster-like. Like it doesn't taste fishy. Thank God we don't really want any fish that tastes super fishy. And it's really good with capers and lemon and garlic, same kind of things that you would pair with a lobster. You can bake it, you can sear it, you can fry it, and then add whatever kind of sauce you want on it. I think monkfish actually would make bomb fish tacos. So that's where I would go with that one. And also we said on the podcast on Friday, there was a fish CSA that I promoted. This is a thing now. I didn't know about this and I'm super here for it. Hi, Gobby. It's Casey from Valley Village. Longtime fan. I have a couple questions. First of all, I'm not the cook in the family. My husband is. But I want some advice about how to cook a steak. We used to just go out to a restaurant when we wanted a steak because whenever we made it at home, the smoke alarm went off. So without having an outdoor grill... Give me your advice about the best way to cook a delicious steak. Secondly, I'm looking in the cookbook and I can't wait to make the tomato and steak crazy. I totally get how I make the steak there. But why does steak beef have to rest after you cook it? And the final question is, what is a non-reactive bowl? (laughs) Okay, thank you. Bye. Hi, Casey. A three-part question. I love you. Okay. I'm going to go in reverse. A non-reactive bowl is either a stainless steel or a ceramic bowl. You just want something that's not copper, not cast iron, not aluminum. Those can react with acidic foods, but a stainless steel, a ceramic lined bowl, good to go for non-reactive. Okay. Let's do steak. So I think we're talking about pan fried steak. And I feel you on setting off your smoke alarm because I do it too. It happens to the best of us. They're too sensitive these days, whatever. Okay. Three tips. One, you want to buy a good steak. Like when we all go out to dinner and we order like a steak at a fancy restaurant, typically it's a New York strip or a boneless ribeye. Those are my favorite to do at home. They're a little bit more expensive, but kind of only do it on special occasions. And I want it to be a little bit thicker. Like I always want like an inch and a half because that's going to give you like the nicest sear. It's just going to be the best. That's step number one. You want a good cut. Two, you want to season it really well. So I like to salt, like liberally salt it both sides for like at least 30 minutes longer if you want. Like if you salt it and leave it overnight, it's going to create like a really dry surface for searing. It's going to be delicious if you have the time for it, but not all of us think that far ahead. If you want to add pepper or spices or anything like that, I would add that after you do your initial sear, which we're going to get to in a minute because you can burn those and you don't want to burn spices onto your steak. Okay, here's the third and most important part of cooking a steak at home. You want to cook it hot and uber fast. When you go to a restaurant, if you walked back into the kitchen, you would see they have many cast iron or grill pans lined up over crazy high heat. And what they do is they just sear it really hot on both sides for a couple of minutes to make like a nice crust. A lot of restaurants and what we learned in culinary school, people don't even do it with oil because when you have like a nice seasoned cast iron pan, you don't need it. So, You sear it for a couple of minutes on both sides. You can then transfer that cast iron skillet to the oven to finish it to whether you want it to be medium rare, medium well. If you want a medium well steak, come live with me. I'll teach you how to eat it medium. (laughs) But the key is to cook it hot and fast. And that way it's just going to like be extra flavorful and juicy and it's not going to dry out cook it to whatever temperature you want to. And then your last part of your, well, hold on. Let's talk about temperatures really quickly. You guys write this down. I can put it in the show notes as well. For a rare steak, the internal thermometer needs to be 125 degrees. For a medium rare steak, 130 degrees. For a medium steak, 140. And for a well-done steak, just make pasta. (laughs) I just, I don't know what else to tell you. The last question in your three-part question is why does a steak need to rest? I'm going to talk to you about this because you rest it really before you cook it and after you cook it. You want your steak to be room temperature before you sear it. That's just how it works. And then after you sear it, you want it to rest for like five to 10 minutes for all the juices to redistribute. So it's juicy and delicious. It's not dried out. If you put a piece of steak on a cutting board right when it comes off and tent it, some juices might be like seeping out right away, but you'll find more times than not if you let it sit there for 5-10 minutes, it'll kind of reabsorb all that so you get that extra flavor. That was a mouthful. I f- clearly feel very strongly about steak. Who knew? Hi, Gabby. It's Abby from Northern California. Wondering if you have any tips regarding being single and stocking your pantry and fridge. Food waste really bothers me too. I know that's something you're passionate about. Would love any help with how to tackle that. Thanks. Bye. Hi, Abby. Oh my gosh. Pantry storage is basic. Do you guys ever take those love language tests? Thomas and I took one a couple of years ago. His has actually changed, but like my love language test or my love language was words of affirmation and acts of service. Like if Thomas takes out the trash, he's my favorite human on the planet. Thomas's are the complete opposite of mine. Anyways, I want there to be pantry storage as one of the love languages or pantry organization because I feel so strongly about it. It gives me so much joy. Okay. So stocking your pantry can be hard, whether you're one person, four people, eight people living in your house, whatever it is. Here are a couple things I like to keep in mind. One, you want to store your pantry items in super sealed airtight containers. That's going to keep grains, seeds, all that kind of stuff fresh as long as possible. I like to label everything also because there are some things that look similar. Like I have polenta and cornmeal or stuff like for pizza and stuff like that, that all kind of looks the same. So label it. That way you'd never like accidentally use the wrong thing and waste anything. And I also like to keep things very visible. So I know exactly what I have. So I don't go out and buy more rice when I have four things of rice in the pantry. Some things I like to keep on hand lentils, beans, like kidney beans, chickpeas, black beans, different kinds of grains like oats, quinoa, barley, rice. I'm looking at my pantry as we do this. Popcorn, different kinds of pastas or noodles, and then flour and baking supplies and herbs also. Like I would actually, this is where you could save some space living by yourself. Instead of buying a 10 pound bag of flour, get a smaller thing of flour. Your baking soda and your baking powder are pretty standard sizes, but you could probably save a little space on like those bulk items. And on the blog also, there's a whole post on like everything that's in my pantry. There's like dried fruits and oils and all that kind of stuff, I would look at that list and then edit it down for what you need. Like if maybe you don't need a vegetable oil, an olive oil, a coconut oil, a sesame oil, and a grapeseed oil, you're just going to really use olive oil and sesame oil. So I think you can make modifications to that general list depending on what you cook at home, but hopefully that's helpful. That's it for today's questions. Not a small company at all. I just wanted to use today since the holiday to remind you that you can use the code Gobby G-A-B-Y, on all of my seasonings and spices and olive oils and cocktail mixes and everything at Williams-Sonoma. You have that code for a couple more days. It expires on my birthday, which is next Monday, June 1st. So use it now before it goes away. You get 20% off of all of my things. So stock up before summer and happy Memorial Day. All right, that's it for today's What's Gabi Cooking in Quarantine podcast. Be sure to tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future until quarantine is over. <laughs> if you have any questions that you want answered, give me a call, 888-338-4429 and leave me a voicemail. Or if you have a super cool small company you know about that deserves to be highlighted, leave it as a voicemail as well. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen and follow along with What's Gabi Cooking on Instagram and Twitter. And for more recipes, check out what'scobbycooking.com. And I will talk to you guys very soon.